Swint. I am so happy that you came this Christmas morning to do this podcast. I've known you for, let me think, it's been over 15 years easily. At least, yes. 1995, and we met relatively soon after I got here. We sure did, we sure did. And you've been, so that means you've been here how many years now? It's over 25 years. 25 years. Do you see yourself leaving Japan? I don't, I really like it here. I think it's, uh, I like I like big cities and Tokyo is among the best cities, so why would I go anywhere else? A man of my sentiments, because that's how I feel about it. I say, why leave paradise once you find it? Where were you born? I was born in uh, New York on Long Island. Okay. My parents had just moved from South Carolina to Long Island about three months before I was born. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you stayed there for the duration and they, we time? lived in the same house until I graduated uh, high school and uh, I went to California to college and they went they retired and moved back to South Carolina okay how many siblings do you have I have two older sisters okay uh, and they actually live in South Carolina currently right. and I have a younger brother and he lives in Minneapolis Minneapolis okay how many years between the oldest and the youngest well my sister is years is uh, eight the two of them, uh, the oldest one is eight years older than me, and then uh, the next one comes two years after that, and then there's a uh, six-year break, and then there's my brother and I, wow. and uh, we are uh, three years apart. And same mother and father? Yes. yes. So what was it like when you were growing up? What was it like for you? Um, we lived in a very, um, very stable um, you know, we, it, it, it kind of a, a small community. You know, we lived in the suburbs um, where every small community, community is right next to each other, mm-hmm. but everyone knows each other. Uh, we lived on a, a, a dead-end street, and so it was very safe to play around, and um, maybe our parents were among the stricter parents uh, because uh, when it got dark at night, everyone had to come and play in front of our house okay. <laughs> because we weren't allowed to go down the street. Right. Uh, and my mother was known, uh, she didn't have to call, and my brother is Jeffrey, she didn't have to call Jeff and I to come in. She'd just stand at the door and everyone would rally, uh, relay the message down uh, 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 that we should, it was time for us to come home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let me see, so when you were growing up in that area, was the area pretty mixed? We lived in a community called Lakeview, mm-hmm. uh, and it was predominantly black. Okay. Uh, I, I would almost say exclusively black. Right. Okay. All the communities around us were predominantly or exclusively white. And, but we all went to school together, so the school district, and you know, the, the, you know this was in the uh, 60s and 70s, so it wasn't all smooth, but the s- school district in my graduating class from high school was uh, 50% white, 50% black. Okay. And your father was a principal? My father uh, in South Carolina okay. uh, was in education. He was a principal. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he came to New York, uh, he changed and worked for Transworld Airline okay. uh, as he was in, when he was in New York. Right. Did your mother work as well? My mother worked as well. My mother was an elementary school teacher. Okay, all right. So then when you were going through school, did you have sports that you liked or any, were you really academic? I'm assuming that because You're going to tell everyone, I'll tell them right now, that you're assistant dean at Temple University. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Because I've known you from when you first came (laughs) here. And is this something that you really aspired towards, or did it just happen, just kind of happen? I think um, even 
as a younger person, I thought that I would make it into academia or university life. I didn't think it would happen as soon as it did. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people in my family uh, work in education uh, on elementary, secondary, and uh, uh, collegiate level. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, 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 I see it as an important thing to do, and I thought that I would eventually uh, make it to universities. So back to schooling. What were you interested in when you were young? I was going to be a doctor. <laughs> so you didn't. So you really were really academically inclined. Uh, I enjoyed school, and okay. uh, and I, w I was able to do well in it. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I was going to be a doctor. And I think at my high school graduation, uh, I had given part one of the talks at the graduation, and, the, uh, and a woman, I guess the mother of one of my friends, uh, congratulated me, and she asked me what I was going to do after college. I said I was going to be a doctor, and she said, "Oh, that's such a shame." I think what she was saying is that I could speak well and I could communicate well, and maybe that I should go in something, go into a direction that would require that. You were in high school. I was in high school. And so I have to admit, at that moment, I said, oh, yeah, I don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> what made you decide, what made you want to become a doctor in the first place? My what? father wanted me to be a doctor. Oh, he's the one that wanted you to become a doctor. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay. All right, did he have aspirations of becoming a doctor before? I, I, I don't know. A doctor, he would have been you know, happy if I said lawyer or whatever. But some, one of the professions. He, exactly. Whatever, okay. exactly. He wanted you to be in a profession that was pretty sure and pretty stable. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let me ask, so did you have any sports interest? Were you involved in sports at all? I did not do team sports so well. I probably shouldn't admit that. Um, but my father taught me to play tennis uh, mm -hmm. when I was a kid, and uh, I was a swimmer. I was a lifeguard. Okay. All right. So you like the individual sports where it was yes. up to you if you got hurt or not. Yes. <laughs> See, that's, that's what I was like. I didn't like team sports, but for a different reason, because I was younger than everyone, and they were a lot stronger than me. Gotcha. So when I found out about gymnastics, my life changed completely because they were afraid to do the stuff I was doing. Right. And it put me on a whole different level. So you decided that you wanted to speak because that was something that impressed me about you and I think I told you too. We were at this club and we were at an ACCJ event. Mm -hmm. You were so articulate in, your, in, your, in the way that you spoke that you knew how to use the tonation too. You went up when you needed to, you came down when you needed to. You just had everybody at your fingertips. And I came up afterwards, I don't know if you remember this, and complimented you. I said, man, you are really good. You are phenomenal when it comes to speaking. Thank you very much, that's very good. You're really, really good. So when, that, when the woman came up to you and told you that, it was such a shame, and you said, hmm, she's got a point there. <laughs> what did you start to focus on after that? Uh, so I didn't know what I was going to focus on. Mm -hmm. I had uh, applied to school to, to be a pre-med uh, and my advisor was a doctor and so I'm a freshman and I'm trying to figure out what to do. And things international began, began, began to interest me uh, and so I ended up studying international relations with the thought of becoming a diplomat. I did an internship, and, oh, an internship. And, okay. and this is actually one of the things that one of the lessons that I carry on now at Temple University because that internship was also pivotal in helping me understand what I didn't want to do. So you so you encourage everyone 
do an internship before you really commit yourself to absolutely, something. Absolutely, absolutely. That made a big difference. So do, how, do, do multiple internships. Interviews. Yes. How long, do, how long does an internship usually last in your field, diplomatic field? Uh, in all fields, I would say that you should have a, uh, an internship that's at least two or three months, whether it's full-time okay. or part-time. Right. That, the, the, that gives the organization a chance to know you uh, and uh, for you to understand what it's like to work in that field, in that company. Wait, how long was your internship? I was a summer intern. For, the, okay. for, the, for my first internship was after my freshman year at um, the office of Congressman Walter Fauntroy of the District of Columbia. Okay. Uh, and then my second in, uh, internship was after my senior year. Actually, I had already graduated college. Uh, at um, at the State Department. So you were st so you were still interested after your first internship. Yes. You said okay. You like the guy you work with there. Nice yes. guy. Went smooth. What did you not like? Or what made you think? Not dislike, but what made you think it's not for me after you did the second internship? Or did it happen then? Um, I I think I understood that I wanted to work in smaller organizations. Uh, first of all, prefer to work in the private sector, uh, and secondly, to uh, have, have the capacity to work in big organizations sometimes and small organizations other times. Mm -hmm. So then where did you go after you left there? Uh, I was, I had graduated college in California, and I was living in New York. What college did you go to in California? I went to Stanford in California Stanford. as an undergrad, yes. Uh, I was in New York, and I was really uh, trying to find some direction. And I did a number of things. Uh, I worked in a recruiting firm. I started a recruiting firm. Uh, I worked in telecommunications. And, uh, but it's, it, I was living in New York and I was going to uh, theater and opera and the dance community and also organizing for my friends to come with me because I found out if uh, I got 20 people to come with me, I could get two free tickets for myself. To go to what? To, to, a, to go to a Broadway show. Broadway show, okay. Yes. So. And then I thought, well, you know, I wonder if I can do this professionally. So I, uh, I was actually, I went to Lincoln Center where they had a library, and uh, I was going to do some research on what kind of jobs I could get in the performing arts, not on stage, but uh, in marketing. And I stopped by the box office where a childhood friend, someone from my community, was working and told him what I was getting ready to research. And he said, oh, the person who does that here just resigned. How old were you at this time? 24. Okay, okay. I love New York. Okay. I knew As I said so, before, I'm a you know, big city Manhattan. person. Manhattan. I live now in Manhattan. Tell me about it all. If I had to live in the United States, that's the place I would live. If I had to go by, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's great, especially when you're young. <laughs> so go on. So you bounce around, then you you come to your friend. He tells you that position's open. Yes, and uh, a week or two later, they had made me an offer, and I was the uh, uh, I guess assistant marketing director at uh, the. Uh, Lincoln Center Theater. So Lincoln Center has components, constituents, the opera, the ballet, and there's a Broadway theater within Lincoln Center. Uh, and we were responsible for the about a thousand seat Broadway theater and for the 300 seat uh, Mitzi Newhouse Theater. And we did some really interesting plays 
um, my favorite of which was the South African musical Serafina. Uh, we brought that to, to the United States and uh, it was eventually made into a movie. Lincoln Center Theater in the, we're in the early, uh, the late 80s, uh, early 90s, uh, was the place to be. Uh, we did uh, plays with uh, Madonna and Steve Martin and Robin Williams, and it was really exciting uh, to be to have that as the uh, product that I'm marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a it was a great um, opportunity for me. But then I, it came to another one of those. I was at a theater conference, and I was talking to this woman, and I said what I was doing, and she said, "Oh, you should move beyond that." So I'm at Lincoln Center, I'm in a great theater. She said, oh, you should move beyond that. And I thought, oh, you're right. And I didn't know what it meant at first, but uh, when I left Lincoln Center, I went to work in television. So at Lincoln Center, I had a, an audience of a of, uh, of thousand people per night. And when I worked, went to work for a public broadcasting system, PBS, uh, we had hundreds of thousands of people watching but our show. Doing what? What was your job? There was doing? a uh, <clears throat> documentary series called POV, Point of View, mm -hmm. and it, we, it was an acquisition series, so we did an open call and got 500 submissions per year, and we picked independently pro produced documentary films and put them on air. Okay, what was your position? What did you do? I was the national uh, public publicity director. So okay. I uh, worked with the local television stations and the newspapers around the uh, U.S. Uh, to advertise and pro uh, promote our uh, documentaries. Okay, so now you're doing the broadcasting. Yes. And you get into a bigger arena. How did that turn out for you? Uh, very well, very <laughs> well. I, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, it, uh, you know, I had, I had, I grew up in New York and I went to, to school in California, but I didn't know much about the rest of the country. And so this uh, forced me to visit places and also to talk to the newspaper people there, talk to the public television local people there, and I learned a lot about, uh, you know, different ways of approaching things, different ways of, of seeing things. Mm -hmm. mm. So how long did you do that job? I did that for I did that show for three seasons. Three seasons. Yes. Then after that, where'd you go? Where'd so you go? after that, um, I said, okay, well, this is interesting, but maybe it's a little. I, I want to try something else. Without a woman coming up telling you. Without, yeah. this, well, did, this, this is how I did it on my own. <laughs> now, how old are you when you do this? Um, I'm in my early thirties now. Okay. And I, for the first time, I in, w was to work in academia. I guess this turn I made because uh, there was a community north of Manhattan. I was a little tired of living in Manhattan. I wanted to live outside Manhattan. And I was, a, so I started, oh, maybe I could do a job in that community. Uh, it's called Rockland County. Mm -hmm. uh, and. I found it because I was bicycling. I was doing a 50-mile bicycle ride. And I said, oh, this is a really quaint community. I like this a lot. I started spending summers up there, and I wanted to spend more time up there. And so I decided uh, to look for a job, and there was a, an opening doing a publicity, which is publicity and marketing, which is what I knew how to do, uh, at the community college there, Rockland County Community College. How big is Rockland County? I mean, that whole area. Uh, Something like you say quaint. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to picture it in my mind. Is it like a suburb? 
It's a suburb. That's what it is, okay. It's a suburb. It's a suburb, but there is no public transportation. There's no train. So um, um, on the other side of the Hudson River um, is where most people live because they can jump on the train and get into Manhattan right, very right, fast. Right, right, right. On, the, on the Rockland side, you, you have to drive it. You've got to have a car. You've got to have a car. And right. so, so the, the, it was less densely populated. Gotcha. But okay. a beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, area. Okay. Upper, so middle, I, I, upper middle class. Would uh, I would say so. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I, uh, but I worked there only one year because uh, I then got an opportunity to come to Japan. So that started your Japan journey. Yes. I actually, I guess, before I uh, worked in Rockland, I uh, I came here for the summer of '94. Okay. Uh, and I spent two months here in Japan. Why? Uh, I just wanted to see what it was like and. Uh, yeah, because I, I had no, when I, one thing I didn't mention before, when I was in college, I lived in West Africa, in uh, Freetown, Sierra Leone, and I always thought that I would go live in Africa again. I thought that I, you know, after I did that play with the uh, South Africans, I thought I was going to move to South Africa. That was your first time outside the United States, was to my, go to Africa? My first time out, outside the U.S. was to go to Freetown, yes. Wow, and how long were you there? A year. A year, and how old, was it, how old were you when that happened? I was a junior in college. Junior college, wow. So you go there and you stayed there for one year? One year. But go on, so. Uh, I think it was, it was a great eye-opening experience, but I think what I retain most from it is when I had my own life and history and personality juxtaposed to something very different than I was familiar with, I learned a lot about myself. Such as? I learned that I was different and that that was okay. So I think that when I was young, I had this idea that I was different and I didn't think like other people thought, but that I should, I should cover that up. Okay. Right. And so when, to, to go to a place where people were, you know, it had different ideas of, of interactions, of what foods you eat, of what it means to be a human, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, you know, all these things that I had assumed that everyone in the world thought. Now I go to someplace else and they have just a different way of, of perceiving things. That was a life-changing, transformative experience. And I think it's, uh, I really recommend that to everyone to whether it's to go to another country or to go to another town or to go to another church, another club, whatever, get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and that has helped me a lot. That's beautiful, okay. So then you come back and then you decide. In the 80s, of course, as you know, Japan was the boom. Yes. Everybody wanted to come to Japan. And I had no interest. <laughs> No interest, was not thinking about it. I had friends who came here. One of my, my roommate came to Japan and he was here, I don't know, for three or four weeks and got a job in a bar, basically speaking English, and paid for his whole trip. And yet that did not interest me at all. It didn't interest me at all. Big deal, boop. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, but yeah, so I didn't have... But, but then you end up getting yourself a ticket exactly. to come over here for what? Based on what? <laughs> what were you coming over here for? Uh, I, I had a partner. He was, he was back and forth between New York and Japan. Okay. Right. Japanese. Nationally. Okay, Japanese. Okay, all right. All right. And uh, so I thought, when I got here, 
I thought, well, this is an interesting, it's, it's a city, it, so Tokyo works very well, but again, I guess the, the, the transformative moment, I was up in uh, Sapporo, so okay. we were traveling around the country, I was up right. in Sapporo, and I was, I was in a bar called N43, very, uh, it's a, on the, the north, hills, okay. uh, 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 on the hills above Sapporo, okay. and very sleek, very black, dimly lit, and, and glass on both sides. And as you looked out this side, you could see the lights of the city of, of Sapporo. And as you looked out this side, you could see the, a grove of trees lit from the bottom. But because it's glass, you can also see the lights of the city on this side, and you can also see the, the reflection. And I said, what a beautiful interaction between nature and, and style, and oh, wow. If this is here, maybe I can live in this country. <laughs> So it wasn't it wasn't anime or you know or traditional Japanese culture. It wasn't, wasn't these things. I just felt in that moment, oh okay, I could I could live here. And so about a year later, as I mentioned, I went and worked at college for a year. Uh, I moved here in uh, se September first, nineteen ninety five. Never look back. Never look back. I'm not the type of person who looks back. So you you know, there were times when you thought maybe I might want to go back to the states or. I, 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 I always, I'm always prepared for anything. Okay, I understand that. And so one of the things that I did early uh, on here is I uh, enrolled at Temple University. Okay. Uh, in an uh, executive MBA program. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, well, that will you know, give me more uh, network here, more contacts here. Uh, and... But if I decide to go back, I have an American degree. There you go. Oh, wow. But then you also got involved with the chamber. Are you still involved with the chamber? Yes, yes. Right. Uh, I'm on, I, so I started working for the chamber. I think when we first met. That's right, you were one of the staff there. That's yes. when I, you, you're speaking, you're giving us. That's right, okay. Yes. That's the reason why you're speaking. You're informing the members about something because of the chamber or something at that time? Uh, yes, because I was the uh, membership manager and it was probably at a membership event that I was the MC for. Yes. You know, that was a great time, but as many staff of the chamber, you get recruited by member companies. And I don't remember if, if you remember the late Roger Bovaire running GOL, I was recruited to work for Global Online. Okay. Uh, it, it was one of the, the first one. ISPs. But he was, he was really an inspiration for me, the way he uh, had put that company together mm -hmm. and uh, had been a leader for us, and that, that, that was a wonderful, uh, many, many lessons from him. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then from there. And so, work, and so working, and so GOL was bought at the height of the uh, internet bubble by an American company mm -hmm. called Exodus. And, but it was, it, but the bubble burst and that company went bankrupt. <laughs> And then the assets were bought by Cable and Wireless, which is a UK firm. So I went from GOL to uh, Exodus to Cable and Wireless in, in a span of three years without what it can't be. The, the, my business card changed, but my responsibilities were the same. Still the same. Uh, and so at Cable and Wireless, they are, they are an international company, and so I had responsibility for our clients throughout Asia. I did mostly. Um, uh, securities firm uh, Merrill Lynch was my main client, and wow. that was a, that was a great uh, opportunity because I got to travel throughout Asia, 
to support our clients in, in Hong Kong and Singapore. And wow, so you did that for how long? Are you still, yeah. Uh, five years or so, mm -hmm. yes, and, and in fact, or maybe a little less than five years, because before Temple University, where I now work, and I've worked for, I don't know, since 2003, I had never had a job more than five years. Right. Wow, but Temple kept you. Yes. <laughs> Temple's a good place. I mean, they, and I haven't been to your new campus yet, but I know you've moved from all Yes, the yes, we, we are in, uh, we're in, we're in Sanganjaya now. Sanganjaya, okay. Uh, uh, and it's, uh, you know, for many, many years, in fact, when they first hired me in 2003, they said, you know, you see this picture on the wall, Here, this is going to be our new campus. So we, have been re we were really, really hard trying to get a new space which would be a better learning environment for the students, a better working environment for the faculty and staff, and we were uh, finally able to accomplish that in 2019. Uh, Did you help with any of that? I mean, marketing or anything? Did you? Uh, that was not right. So I'm on the academic side academic now. Academic side, okay. Yes. But, but prior to that, had you ever gotten involved with Temple outside of academics? No. No, no. Okay. I've always been on the academic. I, I, so as I mentioned before, I was a student in the executive MBA program. Mm -hmm. And so my first position was, was running the executive MBA program. Because okay. though I, I was not teaching in the program, but I knew the program very well. And I, I, guess, I guess, yes, I was marketing that program. Mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, just a portion. Okay, yes. that's just saying. But you're thinking about, you thought I was thinking about the whole yeah, overall exactly. thing. No, okay. Exactly. Well, that's good. That's interesting. So you, you're doing that now. When did you get your position now as assistant dean? Uh, so actually, that's a recent promotion, by the way. Okay. Uh, and, but I have been, I've had a number of different responsibilities uh, with the university, always involved with business education. So I've run the, um, the uh, executive MBA program. I ran some uh, partner programs uh, that we had with uh, schools in uh, in France, so they would send their students uh, to to Japan, and I would be responsible for that. And I am the founding director of the undergraduate business program. Wow. So we did that about uh, ten years ago. Okay. Uh, and we have an interdiscipl interdisciplinary program, and it's the largest major at uh, of the. Uh, Temple University of Japan campus. Explain that interdisciplinary program. So the students, so the students don't major in say finance or HR. They're responsible for understanding all of the functions of a, of an organization. They, they didn't do that before. Uh, in, in in most for even in our um, Philadelphia campus, you 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 do the basics, but you but then you go deeper into HR. Okay. Only. only, and so you, you so you're, so you're a human resource management major, or, or you're finance. a finance major, right? But now, but it, at the Tokyo campus, um, we want the students to be integrated thinkers. We want the students to be globally minded, and we want, and it's kind of an artifact that you would separate uh, finance from marketing, because you have to be able to know the the financial implications of how you're marketing your organization. And we want the students to think in, in those sort of broader ways and also to be able to build uh, new business models. Mm -hmm. So a, as I think about business education and I think about what, what will the students need in the future, I have no idea. So I want them. To, I want to be able to teach them or to help them learn how to ask better questions. This is, this is the conversation that I have with the students all the time. If you think about TikTok, 
or Facebook or being able to do vlogs and blogs. These things didn't exist five or 10 years ago. So how can I know in advance what's gonna exist five or 10 years from now? All we can do in the classroom is say, okay, well, here's how organizations runs, and here's some questions we can ask about why Lance is successful here, why the American Club is successful there, and now, okay, what other things can happen in the future? What new business models, what new Facebooks, what new uh, TikToks can we think of for the future? So that's, and so that's why we want the students to have a grounding in all the, the business disciplines so that they can uh, be entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs uh, in their companies. What's the difference between entrepreneur and intrapreneur? Entrepreneur is, uh, is working for an organization and helps them start new programs. Gotcha. An entrepreneur starts their own programs. Right, right. You know, this is the 21st century. Everything that we teach is available on the internet for free. <sighs> right? You think they're going to so shut that down by any chance? I'm, you know, I keep on thinking about it because it's made colleges, for the most part, mm. redundant. They're not necessary. However, our children aren't being taught what questions to ask. So they still need someone to teach them to do that. That's what colleges and schooling supposed to do. Mm. We learn that, but I'm finding the children don't know what to ask. Mm. So how can they find the answer if they don't know what to ask for? Yeah, and so, because and we have, you know, Google will answer all questions. Siri will answer the questions. If you know it. If you have an effective question. And so that's the kind of sort of questioning disposition I want to uh, encourage uh, in our students. But I, but I do find uh, uh, young people, and particularly in this period where we've been all um, thinking and learning and working remotely, I'm seeing so many more things that say, okay, I'm gonna do this on my own. The, the way that you put this whole vlog together uh, to, you know, without, I, I, don't, I don't know if you did, if you went to someone and said, how do I do this? But you figured out, you asked questions and you figured out how to do this whole thing on your own. And I see a lot of young people being, beginning to do those things as well. I think, I think that there are a lot of people, you know, we, who are um, sort of quietly making careers for themselves, making brands for themselves, uh, doing things and not working for corporations, not, not becoming hugely successful entrepreneurs, but taking care of themselves. So they can do it right. Self-sufficient. Uh, exactly. That's exactly. right. We do have the means to do that now. And I see so many people, you're right, doing that. That's something. What would you like to leave to the audience? What would you like to say to wrap this up? Um, well, first of all, thank you for this opportunity. Oh, no, 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 uh, no. I was, I'm happy uh, you're willing to do it. Uh, I was I was nervous coming in. I hope no, I haven't. No. Uh, uh, I hope I have merited your your faith in uh, uh, bringing you have, in. You have. And you know, I just really, as I said before, it's it's important. I th think for our students, for for myself, to keep learning things, and to keep trying to figure out a new way to view something. And I try to do that myself. I try to, you know, I've been doing research recently on Buddhism and Stoicism and all of these things which I, I was not familiar with. And there's so many avenues, whether they're uh, blogs or podcasts or, um, or reading on the internet, and 
keep always keep learning is is kind of what I do and always and ask better questions. Fantastic, Sonia. Listen, again, congratulations on your new appointment. Thank you, thank you. As Assistant Dean, future successes I know are coming your way. And make 2022 the best you've ever had. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like, subscribe, and never forget, it's all on loan. Continue to reach for the stars. And you're too blessed to be stressed.